I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed. It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Welcome to Rapid Fire, your weekly 2A talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics. Tune in each week. You can go to capegunworks.com and click on the Rapid Fire icon to join the conversation and to listen live. Or you can call into the show. Go to 508-444-2120. You can dial 508-444-2120 to leave a recorded voicemail message. Or when we're broadcasting live, you can call in and ask your question live. Um, you can also text 508-444-2120, and we will try to get to your question on the air. If we don't get to you this week, stay tuned, and we'll get you next week. Uh, but remember to like us and subscribe to all of our social media platforms. Our Twitter handle is at capegunworks.com. I'm sorry, at capegunworks. And that's not just Twitter. It's Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Parlor, all the usual suspects. And we are now on truth social so check us out there if that's your uh, preferred method of social media communication so now that we got all that out of the way we have an exciting show for you today talking about guns and freedom second amendment and self-defense we just took in a really cool collection of Enfield jungle carbines so we got some British 303 jungle carbines Um, we have um you know, a, a good size collection of them from a collector. So those are now have hit the floor. If you are in into that thing, sort of thing, collecting and shooting those fun old war relics, then I would highly recommend you check those out at Cape Gunworks. But that's just one of those things. And if you're listening from out of state, um, you could also check them out on our website. We'll make sure they get up there uh, as soon as possible. Um, so that's that's one of the things that happened in the last week. But Got all kinds of stuff going on. We have uh, Rob Pincus in town for the Personal Defense Network training tour. He's doing two days of classes for us. We're going to have him on uh, in the second uh, break here, uh, the second segment, um, to talk a little bit about that and some of the other stuff that's going on in gun world. And um, we have Clint Macro giving us an update for the PDN training tour later on in the show as well. Uh, Second hour, we'll be joined with Keith Langer, the attorney here from Massachusetts. So you want to tune in online if you're not, um, if you don't get the second hour of the show. And May is Ladies Shooters Month. So we have all kinds of fun stuff going on with that. Um, So yeah, we got all kinds of good stuff going on. But one of the things I thought I'd tease out there, and you can jump into the comments if you want, or call or text um, to 508-444-2120. But um, some stuff has been hitting the news cycles uh, with the sheriff's department. I think in San Antonio, there wherever the uh, set of the Rust uh, TV show or movie that Alec Baldwin was the producer of, they've been releasing some uh, footage and 
you know, body cam footage and audio and as well as some of the pictures from the cameras that were used for filming. And I know uh, Alec Baldwin went on TV and said he would never put his finger on the trigger. He would never do that. And he was pretty emphatic about it. Well, unfortunately, it was a dumb move to go out there and say all that stuff when you were being filmed in the process of doing what you were doing. And now the sheriff's department has released the video of him with his finger on the trigger. And so, you know, that's the thing that most people don't realize is during a stressful encounter, um, you can't rely on your memory. So right after he shot, I'm sure he thought he didn't have his finger on the trigger, but you know, unfortunately he's, uh, there's all kinds of psychological stuff that happens in these critical dynamic incidents, um, or that's not even technically a critical dynamic incident. That's more of a, um, you know, a, a worst case scenario. Uh, but it's um, you can't rely on your memory to serve you well. And if he was relying on his memory, that uh, he obviously misremembered. And unfortunately for him, um, you know, he was. He was uh, remembering poorly or he was just trying to clear his name without thinking it through. And I'm sure his lawyer was probably slapping him upside the head as soon as he got off the air about that. But anyway, if you want to comment on that, you can always uh, throw that out in the comments um, or give us a call. 508-444-2120 is the live phone number to call into Rapid Fire. And you can also text your questions to 508-444-2120, which we will get to. We have some that we'll be reading later in the show. Um, if you, if we're not broadcasting live, leave a message and we'll get to it. Include your first name, if you would, location, and your question. And we'll make every effort, I promise, to get you on the air. Um, but anyway, uh, so we got that. And also, Madison Cawthorn, um, he's a he's a congressman from, I think, North Carolina, uh, was traveling through the airport, and he got stopped at the TSA security line and apparently had a loaded handgun on him at the time. And I guess this was the second time this has happened. So apparently, he has a hard time remembering when he is and isn't carrying a gun. Oh, my. And um, I noticed it was all over social media, and <laughs> a lot of people are giving him uh, thumbs up for his choice in carry gun, which was a staccato, I guess, which is like the 2011 pistol um, that has you know a double stack 1911 frame. And um, I would say there's probably a better choice for defensive purposes, but it, the cool factor's off the charts. Um, but anyway, he was stopped again. And I guess he was cited and fined by the TSA. Now, for me, I have a personal story similar to that, but it wasn't me carrying a loaded gun through the TSA security line. It was I forgot, and it was, you know, honest mistake on my part when I was leaving Arizona, uh, not Arizona, Alaska, to get a, um, to fly home after a trip. And I had my gun in the, luggage and the suitcase and I forgot to declare it you know I've traveled with firearms many times and you just it's a fairly uh, easy process to do it you just fill out a card and declare your firearm to the person checking your bags they put the card in the box you close it you lock it and it's on its way well if you forget to do that 
I found out the hard way that they do x-ray that luggage. And when I was just about to board my plane with my uh, halibut fish and chips, uh, which is another story, um, you don't want to sit next to the guy on the plane who's got his halibut, fresh halibut fish and chips. But anyway, they they said, Mr. Leary, uh, could you possibly be traveling with a firearm today? And I turned ashen white and said, uh, why, yes, I am. They said, did you forget to declare it? And I said, I think I did. <laughs> so I had to do the O.J. Simpson and run, not the the latter O.J. Simpson, the earlier, like, Avis commercial when he'd, like, be sprinting through the airport, back out through the security line while I met with a, a uniformed police officer and explained to him that it was an honest mistake. And when we opened the case, he saw the firearms declaration card. But then he wanted to talk about what gun I brought to Alaska. And, oh, that's a cool gun. I, at the time, was carrying my uh, car K40 um and uh, that was the most powerful cartridge I had at the time when I went the first trip to Alaska. But anyway, another story for a different day. Uh, but don't be like Madison Cawthorn. Make sure you you declare your firearm so that you don't get all jammed up. And we're headed for a break. But before we go, you should head over to CapeGunWorks.com and use this week's discount code SPRINGFLING. Two words, SPRING and then FLING. You don't want to miss out. You're going to get a special discount at our store. And we will be right back with Rob Pincus. So stay tuned. Rapid fire. If you crave versatility in a tactical reticle, the new ARBDC-3 delivers with a host of features you need to adapt in the field. A 1MOA center dot provides a precise point of aim, while the surrounding 16MOA open circle helps get your eye into the center faster for rapid target acquisition in close quarters. The ARBDC-3 also adapts to a variety of light conditions. The center dot and surrounding open circle illuminate for low-light shooting, and because the reticle is glass-etched, it can also function without any illumination. When you need to go long, the upper ranging feature allows you to range silhouette targets up to 600 yards, while the bullet drop compensator, or BDC, keeps you on target up to 650 yards. Plus, you get wind holds for 5, 10, and 15 mile per hour winds. The ARBDC-3 is specifically tuned to the ballistic performance of most common 5.56 loads out of an AR-15. There are resources in the reticle manual for conversions to 308, and as with any BDC, information gathered from a chronograph and ballistics calculator can adapt these hash marks to any other caliber and its own unique ballistic curve. From point blank to way down range, adapt with the ARBDC-3. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary, and join us every week for the only show around that is all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And we are lucky to have in studio with us today as part of the Personal Defense Network training tour stop, Rob Pincus. How are you? 
I'm great, man. It's good to be back at Cape Gunworks. Good to be back here in the studio with you on Rapid Fire. Uh, I've been listening to the segments you've been doing with our training tour team, which is great. I know Clint's on today, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, now I'm in town to do my stop. Uh, it's always great to be here. You know, the the fact that you've taken this show on and put it here in the shop, I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, I appreciate you sharing all the information you guys do in the shop and especially what you now do outside of the shop as well. It's super cool. Yeah, I, I might be uh, needing a bigger studio at some point. This is a little cramped quarters in here, but uh. <laughs> it is. I forget we're on camera because it's it's. I got an air quote right because right. it's like this is a multitasking room. Right. right exactly. Yep. This is where a lot of stuff gets done. But anyway, we'll. Uh, <laughs> it's good to have you here. Anyway, so uh, we will uh, get right to it. But you've been busy. What have you been up to lately? Yeah, I'm running all over the place. You know, this time of year is always busy for me. Uh, you know, last 15 years running around the country. Uh, the tour really started officially under Personal Defense Network in 2012, but I started traveling pretty extensively in 2006 again. You know, after the first few years of uh, the Valhalla Training Center up and running the spring season and the fall season, I would spend a lot of time moving around uh, the country and the world doing uh, the, the teaching thing. And I really look forward to it. You know, March, we, we always kick the tour off. This year, we also ran the Gunmakers match. Uh, the national event was down in Florida the, during the tour uh, kickoff week, uh, right in the middle of March. And uh, it's been nonstop since then. You know, I've also got the new office, uh, the new headquarters of Avidity Arms. We were talking about that earlier, is in North Carolina. So I've been spending a lot of time there. And, uh, you know, still as much time as I can in Colorado with my daughter while she's in school. Nice. That's great. And uh, I'm hoping that. Serial number seventy five is still got my name on it. It's somewhere. still got your. It's it's will have your name on it. That right. way, when, when we get there, it, it's every you know people are seeing us post and, and get excited about the Avidity Arms project again. And, and yes, the PD ten is is still it's going to come out. You know, it's just nice. it's a matter of when and uh, and the how has been the difficult part. You know, we, we were stalled for a couple of years really trying to make this jump from having made a gun to really manufacturing a gun that can be sold at the appropriate pl- price. You know, with the right uh, reliability and everything else. And it's, it's been uh, a little bit of a, a juggling, you know, match of, of we got the vendor for the slide and the slides are great. And then something happens with that vendor and between COVID and, and hurricanes in Louisiana, it's just, it's been an interesting yeah. few years, oh, yeah. but now we are, we are settled. Um, we have a great relationship with uh, Alpha Tech in uh, Northwestern North Carolina, and they have been producing uh, parts to our specs um, that fit into the frames that are super reliable and uh, they're just knocking them out. It's a, just this week uh, I shot a gun with three new parts made in house. Um, it's been a while since we've had this much progress in this much time. That's exciting. And I, I can remember it like yesterday when we were at your house for a barbecue or something and you said, can you keep a secret? And I said, sure. And you whipped out this 3d printed prototype and put it in my hands and i said wow that's pretty cool and uh i think i racked the action on it and you said don't do that don't break the thing you know and now i do my own 3d printing so we can break them as much as we want right but uh yeah eight, six seven eight years ago whenever that probably was uh, probably about seven years ago uh yeah that was that was a very expensive 3d print if i had if i had any idea um, i just would have bought my own printer back then yeah yeah we got two of them singing now here at the shop and uh we're Printing all kinds of Massachusetts freedom giz- gizmos or anti-freedom gizmos, like uh, you know, magazine blockers and stuff like that, and you know, putting them to good use. But it's amazing how far they've come. But that's exciting about the Avidity Arms and and the training tour. And uh, you've been doing uh, the usual circuit of shows and talks, and you know, along the way, I'm sure, right? 
Yep. Yeah. Hitting some of the regular stops. Um, you know, this year I've been doing a lot more obviously with the gun making for the last mm-hmm. couple of years. So, um, a lot of the time when I'm traveling around, you know, just like we did a regional event uh, for the gun makers match here, we did a gun building event. I'm starting to do a lot more of that too, as I travel around. So not just um, necessarily formal building events, but really helping gun shops and gun owners understand how they can get into, you know, the hobby or how they can support yeah. the hobby. And there's still a lot of misinformation out there and a lot of misunderstanding. Some of it does come from the anti-gunners or the, the misinformed or, or willfully ignorant politicians. But um, even inside of the gun community, there's there's still a lot of questions being asked about, you know, what's legal. Obviously, we, the rule changes um, is, is something that definitely people need to have on their mind. But even before the rule changes, people are very interested in private gun making now in a way that they, they really weren't a decade ago. Yeah. And uh, gun shops and industry companies are looking at how they can support private gun making um, because it really doesn't compete with their bottom line. It doesn't compete with what they're doing. It gives them something else to do for yeah. their customers. Gives you another whole revenue stream, really. If you if you keep all the parts that go along with it, you can s- certainly sell to it. Like, Absolutely. It's not much different than, you know, the SIG, in, in my opinion, did something genius with their fire control unit come out, and now Wilson Combat makes a you know, a lower for it or a frame for it or, or one of, you know, the, one of the other groups out there, they make, I, even P polymer 80 makes a, a grip frame for it. And so you got this serialized part that is a gun, but you, you get the accessories. There's no reason we couldn't do the same with the, the unserialized, uh, you know, private homemade gun parts. And I think you've done a great job shedding light on that. And cause you know, even in the industry for a while, like that whole side of it was still kind of like, it was like the second class citizen of the gun world where like, you know, I want one that doesn't have a serial number because I don't want anyone to know I own it. And it was kind of like whispered, you know, and it's like, well, you've done a great job of kind of shining the light and saying, look, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I don't, I'm a responsible gun owner. I'm not out robbing banks and there's no reason I can't, I'm not a prohibited person in the first place. So, there's no reason I can't make my own gun, and who cares if you know about it or not? There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's really important. I mean, if you're hiding it, it's not free, right? It's not freedom if, you, if you're having to hide your activities or if you're afraid to talk about your activities. And, and I get it. Like, some people have jobs or families. It makes it difficult. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, um, we, we shouldn't be hiding it as if there's something wrong with it, um, especially inside the gun community. And, and that whole, you know, kind of looking at it sideways um, inside of the gun community, it, it, we know that there's cliques and there's groups and there's, there's uh, you know, people like guns with wood on them and other guys only like plastic guns or whatever. There's always going to be that kind of a thing. But one of the reasons and obviously i'm not the only one there's a whole you know army of people out there now promoting uh the the freedom hobby of gun making and a lot of people that are very involved in it have sort of come out of the shadows or come out from behind their you know code name accounts on twitter or whatever to share their experiences um just on saturday i actually built um one of the fire control units um there's a there's a do-it-yourself fire control unit that emulates the the sig unit that goes into the 320 uh, made by jsd supply and one of the guys uh, who, who goes by mr snow um, but his name's John. He's been out there. He's been very public about his gun making. Um, I spent some time at his workshop, and um, this guy is one who's really become an incredible advocate for the hobby and a great face of the hobby. And he's mm-hmm. even doing some media stuff now. And like I said, he's not the only one. You met um, Matt Holmes of Two A Three D Print. Yep. He's definitely one of the guys out there uh, up here in New England who's doing a lot um, for the hobby and for the for the makers. So it's something that um, I, I do think there's a there's a bigger lesson inside of the gun community too. You don't have to like gun making. You don't have to want to get involved in gun making. 
but you shouldn't be bad mouthing gun makers. Right. No, absolutely. And I, I definitely think it, it really brings in a sharp focus, the, uh, the government's role and oversight and all of it. And I think you even talked about it a little bit um, on a recent appearance on NPR, right? Mm-hmm. You did a, a show there. And actually, David Chipman was on it with you, right? And well, we, yeah, we, he was on the show live, and I had a pre-recorded segment, oh, okay. which was just a whole backstory. It was supposed <laughs> to have – it was originally sort of pitched to me as a, as a roundtable, right, yeah. quote-unquote, which, which I kind of heard as a, like debate but mm-hmm. be friendly NPR word. Uh, then they ended up at the last minute asking me to pre-record my segment. I think pretty strongly that, that they decided, uh, somebody decided on, on the Chipman team that they did not want him doing a debate. They didn't want him having to face, you know, direct confrontation to some of the crazy stuff that comes out of his mouth. Um, but I said yes, because I thought it was really important still for, for that show that had three live guests who were all anti-gun, pro-gun control leaning at the very least. He is obviously very much uh, a gun control advocate. Uh, there was a mayor of San Diego who banned um, all ghost gun, quote unquote, all gun making and all gun parts. And then there was an, a researcher who I actually um, have talked to a lot. He's one of the guys that runs research out of Johns Hopkins. And um, he is someone who I think 99.9% of the gun con- gun rights advocates would consider, you know, a, a gun control leaning kind of guy. But I also know him to be pretty articulate and, and pretty well versed in in the research side of the gun world. So um, he he was the one who sort of after I think he didn't know I was going to be on the show, and he he definitely you can hear it in his voice when the uh, when Chipman's attacking me and accusing me of spending eight minutes lying or, or something to that extent. Uh, he the uh, the the researcher definitely backed off of from that, which I appreciated. Uh, but but I think it was really important that our voice, our side, was heard on that show. And let's face it, I, I do shows all the time. I put out videos all the time i write articles on the time they can quote me and attack me all they want um i'm usually not in the room to defend myself so mm-hmm. the npr show wasn't any different sure you said something interesting and i know we I, we got a break coming up that i want to hold it hold the thought over but you th- you said basically that as you know we see uh all of the issues around gun gun control and gun rights and and we actually have a question on the chat that I'll I'll throw into the mix. It says uh with Rob being involved in so many aspects of the gun industry and 2A community through the years, what's your opinion of our evolved fight for 2A rights? Like what does it look like? What's the future look like? But we'll get to that on the other side of the break. So we'll hold that thought and uh we have a special treat for women listening other than Rob being in studio. Uh May is Lady Shooters Month here at Cape Gunworks, and we have a special first shots course for ladies only if you have been thinking about getting your gun license or you would like to try shooting for the first time go to capegunworks.com and click on the class calendar to sign up for the ladies only first shots on May 7th this is rapid fire we'll be right back Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, 
including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, keyed entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong. And Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months. So it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. We're here with Rob Pincus, a frequent guest of Cape Gunworks. Not frequent enough, but we're glad he's in studio with us. And uh, we're going to continue on with that conversation we were having about his NPR interview. And one of the things we were talking about is as the rights are restored of, uh, you know, in certain states, like we're up to 25 uh, permitless carry states, constitutional carry states now and that seems to be a trend that's moving in the right direction um you know how do you see that progressing or as the texter said uh our evolved fight for 2a rights in the near future yeah i think it's really important to remember you know the big picture obviously i'm sitting here in massachusetts and and you guys are are as fringed as just about anybody else around the country in in almost every way but at the same time, you know, we can say, well, it's not as bad as Manhattan, right? Or maybe there's some things in California, or there's some things, you know, and even in Washington state now, um, some of the things that we do here, right, the gun making we were just talking about, you can't do that in Washington state now. So, you know, I've been coming up here to Massachusetts, uh, you know, almost all my life. I've, been, I've probably taught here every year for sure the last 15 years, if not longer. And I get it. Like, I get that there's a lot of problems here. But I also have seen some evolution during that time, right? So, for example, like one of the things I notice is as a non-resident, I can now get a non-resident permit to carry if I wanted to here in, in Massachusetts. Is that, you know, a big deal? It's forward progress. It's right. regaining lost rights, you know. And when we look around the country, you know, I, when I lived in Vermont, it was the only state where you had the permitless carry option, what mm-hmm. we call constitutional carry. Um, at that time, there were still like. I don't know, probably eight or nine states. At one point in like 1986, there were still 13 or 14 states where you couldn't get a per- – there was no way to carry a gun for defensive purposes legally. You know, And Texas was one of those states. Well, yeah. now as of th- this last – within the last year, Texas now is a permitless carry state. Um, and that evolution happened with a, with a middle ground. I think that's what people need to remember. In the 1990s, we were all very, very excited to have shall issue sweeping the country, right? The right. idea that um, the, the state – would write a law that said the the local government shall issue or even in some cases the state government shall issue the permit 
without regard for their preferences or their opinion of whether or not you should be exercised that, that right to carry a defensive firearm as opposed to may issue, which is, mm-hmm. you know, obviously what a lot of people still suffer, suffer under. But there were some states uh, like Illinois, which it took a Supreme Court case, the McDonald case, to even get to the point where permits were being issued. Mm-hmm. So we were excited about that. Now, let's think about that. We were excited about having to pay a fee, having to take a class, having to go through yet another background check to get permission to exercise a civil right to keep mm. and bear arms in public. And that was that's a big deal to remember because if you go back 20 years and you think, well, we, we used 20 or 30 years, we were excited about that. Now you think about the fact that we're so excited about permitless carry. Now let's apply that to something else. Let's apply that to the NFA, right? Mm. Well, the pistol braces, right, we, we were – disappointed when they got taken away from us once. We know that there may be some future rule changers, but at one point they they got taken away. Then they came back. So we get excited. Well, then people start talking about, well, wait a minute, pistol braces, the ATF is now possibly going to tell us that they think pistol braces are the equivalent of an SBR. Well, if that's the case, let's take that to the Supreme Court because if pistol braces are the equivalent of an SBR, that means SBRs are in common use now and should not be covered under the NFA. Now we take SBRs off the NFA. And then a few years later, well, that, that wasn't so bad. Well, what about suppressors? Well, actually, around most of the world, suppressors are considered a safety device. They help mitigate recoil. They obviously they mitigate the muzzle concussion and flash, especially indoor shooting. They mitigate noise pollution around ranges. They mitigate hearing damage. There's all kinds of reasons. You know, Remember the Hearing Protection Act that should have been signed by a certain president in 2017, but he didn't. That should have happened. We should all be under uh, – we should, we should have suppressors off the NFA too. Well, if we take SBRs off, we take the suppressors off, well, you know what? Maybe we don't need the NFA. Mm-hmm. And I really think that's kind of how it goes. We have to be incremental. We can all stomp up and down and say you shall not be infringed and pound the table and say we won't comply all we want. That's not going to get us our rights back. The path to regaining our lost rights has been exemplified by the concealed carry evolution over the last 30 years and i think we just look in other directions to try to emulate that in the future Mm. and you said something interesting about that um that same along those same lines ultimately coming and filtering all the way down to background checks like that was one thing that the nra was even a proponent of at one point and pounded on the desk that you know the law abiding you know gun owner type of thing um where do you see that? Background checks are tricky. You know, the, the you hear a lot of, of people say, um, mostly gun control advocates, that you know the majority of gun owners agree with background checks, and and it's a play on words. It's semantics. It's it's framing. You know, clearly ninety nine point nine nine percent of gun owners in America accept background checks. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean we like them. It doesn't mean we think they should be there, but we go through the, the motions, right? It's better right. than federal prison at this point, right? So the, the vast majority of, of Americans, and like I said in the last segment, even gun makers, you know, I mean, I'm on every list I can be on, right? I make my own guns. They're unserialized. I customize them, 3D print, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm also an FFL. I'm a licensed manufacturer, you know, with an SOT. I obviously have had or have permits in multiple states. Like I, I bought guns in a lot of states and filled out all the forms. I'm on all the lists. So this idea that my gun making is nefarious because they don't have serial numbers, at some point there has to be an, an awareness. Well, wait a minute. This guy's been through all those background checks. You know, maybe so we start moving towards exemptions. We start moving towards, you know, in some states, for example, there's a waiting period if you don't have a uh, concealed carry permit. But if you have a concealed carry permit, then you can take the gun right away. Uh, The idea is that as we move forward, if we look at changing background checks to include the recognition of the fact that people go through, have already gone through a bunch of background checks. So if you have a concealed carry permit, for example, 
No more 4473s, no more background checks. Mm. Maybe the government's going to say, you know what, we'll, we want you to fill out the 4473 and leave that on file with the dealer, but no, you don't have to go through another background check if the dealer sees your current and valid permit to carry in that state. What's that mean? Well, now that means interstate purchases, because if I have a, a permit, if I can get a non-resident permit, for example, in Massachusetts, maybe now under that new federal law, the way we change background checks and we regain some of that lost ground would be I can also purchase a gun in that state, that other state, the one I don't live in, because I do have a valid permit mm. there. And this is this I see as a way that we start chipping away at the background check law to where we eventually get to, you know, anybody with a concealed carry permit anywhere, anybody who is a member of a uh, uh, any of the sanctioned shooting organization, you know, the competition bodies. Um, obviously, we would. I would like to apply the same rules. You know, if if, you, if I punch you, that's that's an assault, right? <laughs> but if I punch somebody that, like, if I punch my daughter, it's a domestic assault, right? So mm-hmm. there's rules around how to define what a domestic relationship is or a family relationship for those kinds of laws. Well, let's take that same template and put it into gun transfers. Now I can transfer a gun to my daughter anywhere in the, in the country, right? I can transfer a gun to someone that I'm, I'm living with. I can transfer guns between uh, f- father and son, between husband and wife. We can transfer without tr- background checks, without the intervention of the government. And eventually what happens? Well, now we've, we find out that the 100 million plus gun owners can perfectly well handle the responsibility of transferring guns amongst themselves, as we always have, and as in most states, private transfers still happen every day. Right. And then the federal government says, okay, well, once again, and eventually it gets to the Supreme Court, if it has to, this is normal, this is everyday activity, and no, we don't need to regulate it. And, and that is what's happened. Remember, back in the 90s, everybody predicted, you know, rivers of blood in the streets once we got shall issue. Mm-hmm. Well, that didn't happen. Right. And we see a lot of people complaining, well, permitless carry, there's going to be rivers of bloods in the streets. That's not happening either. And right. that's how we've gotten the 25 constitutional carry states. And I think eventually, obviously, we'll be adding more. Um, will we get to 50? Probably not until the federal government makes it so, but eventually the federal government looks around and the Supreme Court especially looks around and says, this is normal. And those states that aren't on board, you're in the wrong. Right. No, I I think that's very well said. And, you know, as a gun store owner, all I see every day is uh, the inconvenience of responsible citizens that are here to buy their 10th gun. And because they got a name like you know, John Smith, they have to wait four days, even though they've been through the background check a million times, even on the, like the permit side, you said, I just actually hung up on the phone with a guy who is two hours north of here, uh, north of Boston. He called, he said, uh, yeah, I'm just checking on my background check. He came down on Saturday and or Sunday and bought a gun and got a delay. And he said, I get one every time he buys a gun. And, you know, he's already gone through all the hoops to get the state permit, not to mention he owns several guns. So it's it's just ridiculous. There should if there's any type of database, it should be that, you know, until it's taken away, this guy's OK, you know, to buy a gun. I don't know. I don't know how you put that into law. But right. Right. Well, and, but that's yeah. the thing, right, is, is when you start looking at it that way, right. you really start. How can we reduce the negative impact and the inconvenience and the burden and the infringement on the responsible U.S. citizen that's trying to exercise one of their enumerated civil rights? Right. You get to. Oh, let's just leave them alone really quick. Yeah. And if somebody does somebody does some murdering, right. let's deal with it. If somebody does some robbing, let's deal with it. But exactly. uh, until then, you know, let's let them exercise their civil rights. And, and that's really what we've seen out of the Supreme Court um, repeatedly over the last 50 years. Yeah. And I think that that same thing even goes to that whole untraceable firearm argument, too. It's like, you know, I, I talking to 
uh, Grace Curley on the Grace Curley show a couple of weeks ago, and we had this, you know, story come up about the uh, Boston City Police Department has noticed a three hundred percent increase in in ghost guns, you know, found on the streets. And then it, you look at the statistics, and it's like there was seventeen found on, you know, taken off people in two thousand seventeen, and that went to. 23 in 2018 and now it's made a huge leap to 58 in 2022 so you know this is an epidemic on the streets and it's like no those same people are violating the law anyway with you know obliterating their serial numbers and stealing guns and they're bad people to begin with you're going to still have to deal with that does it matter if it was stolen built or you know firearms obliterated or whatever the heck however they got the gun they violated 40 laws doing it. So One of the other things you have to remember, too, is that as, the, as private gun making becomes more common, as companies like Polymer 80 make it you know, easier for people to enter into the hobby, uh, what happens is there's more of them out there. Well, then if someone gets a DUI and has a gun in their car, now it's more likely than it was 10 years ago that it's a quote-unquote untraceable gun. It's mm-hmm. one they made themselves. If somebody steals a gun from a car or from a home, it's more likely that the gun they've stolen is going to include a privately made firearm than it was 10 years ago. So what happens? Right. Guns confiscated or guns found on crime scenes don't read that as somebody got shot because that's quite often not the case. So that 57 guns, if you ask the follow-up question, how many of those were actually being used in a violent crime, it's probably pretty low. Think of it this way. The president of the United States, one of the most influential people in the world, at the White House, one of the most important places on the planet, couldn't actually bring anyone to speak against ghost guns a couple weeks ago. They couldn't find someone where really the reason that that person was a victim or their friends were victimized was solely because somebody who wasn't supposed to have a gun made a gun themselves and then used it with, with you know, to hurt somebody. They found somebody who, yeah, tragically hurt. She lost two friends and she had been shot in a school shooting. Yes, it was an unserialized privately made gun, but it had been stolen from somebody right. who had plenty of regular guns, too. <laughs> it had nothing to do with the fact that it was a quote unquote ghost gun. Right. Huh. He just might have liked the color when he stole it. Who knows? But geez. Well, Rob, it's been a pleasure, and I appreciate you coming on. Uh, We'll definitely have you on next time you're in town. And we want to thank you for listening to Rapid Fire. If you use this week's code SPRINGFLING at capegunworks.com, you will get a special discount on your entire online purchase. So go to capegunworks.com, use the code SPRINGFLING to get your special discount today. And we'll be back with Clint Macro. You don't want to miss it. We will be right back. This is Rapid Fire. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex.
Rapid Fire, your weekly show about all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And I'm really happy to have on the line with us right now Clint Macro from, uh, he is a self-defense instructor and he's on the PDN training tour this year. Thanks for coming on, uh, Clint. How are you? Oh, I'm great, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Anytime. And uh, why don't you tell everyone what it is you're doing on the PDN training tour and a little bit about yourself? Oh, sure. Well, I've, I've been on the tour a couple of year, years now. I feel very honored to be part of the cadre that gets to offer excellent training across the country for uh, the Personal Defense Network tour. Uh, my company is the Trigger Pressers Union, and I teach uh, end users, instructors, I help to empower my fellow Americans to exercise their rights so that they can be their own family first responder and, and be not only armed, but well regulated. I think that's very important. Mm. Well, it's impressive, your resume. I think you've kind of glossed over it a little bit, but you just about every certification known to man you have. And uh, you're a very accomplished veteran instructor that, you know, I've tapped the resources of several times. And uh, I think you're doing a phenomenal job of not only, um, you know, making responsible people uh, that much better in the, if they choose to carry a gun, but you go into a lot of the nuance of of gun ownership as well with some of the stuff I've seen you doing, you know, in, in politically even for gun rights and advocacy and whatnot, and, and then, um, you know, all the different classes you offer. So what are some of the things you're actually going to be teaching on the tour this year? What are some of the classes you have coming up? Well, I, I don't have a ton of dates on the tour this year because my schedule has been pretty crazy, but I, I do have two dates plus possibly a third that may get added on last minute. One of the courses I'm doing is the uh, ICE training intuitive defensive shooting class. I'm actually going to be doing that one on national train a teacher day, which is June 18th. Oh, cool. Um, and as you know, one of the hats I wear is I'm the administrator of national train a teacher day. And that's where, Instructors across the country offer volunteer services to train teachers, school staff, administrators, and anyone that works with youth in a leadership capacity. We offer free training on that day to those folks. So my class I'm doing on PDN tour that day is there's, you know, it's, anybody can enroll for it. But if you fit that category, you can uh, take the training for absolutely free. Mm. The range has uh, donated the range to me that day in support of National Trans Teacher Day. So I'm able to offer that to those folks. I'm also doing a USCCA DSF program uh, in September as part of the training tour. And it's a similar methodology, but it's the uh, USCCA's branding and packaging of it. Yeah. I've spent probably the last last couple of years doing a lot to help further the USCCA programs across the country. I'm a really big believer in that, that organization. Yeah, sure. They're doing a lot of great work and uh, putting out a lot of great content. And I think they've been more progressive than most nationally recognized groups as far as putting out good curriculum. And uh, we're a big supporter of them here as well at Cape Gunworks. And uh, so you got the IDS and the DSF coming up uh, so people can go to your website and sign up for those or they can go to uh, pdntrainingtour.com and sign up for those. Is that the best way for them yeah. to reach you? Yeah, PDN Tour, they'll, they'll direct you uh, actually back to, I, I think I'm using the USDCA's instructor website for the actual enrollment, but mm -hmm. if you go on to PDN Tour or on to TriggerPressersUnion.com on the schedule page, you'll find links, click on the date, and it'll send you right to where you can sign up and pay. Uh, and of course, 
uh, as I have instructions on the one on National Train a Teacher Day, if, if you fit the category and want to want to enjoy the benefits of National Train a Teacher Day, then you can just contact me directly, and I'll manually enter into the roster. That sounds great, and uh, I've I've never participated in that, but maybe we're going to have to get with you offline, and and maybe we can expand the base of that. Sounds like a great program. Uh, yeah, I've been, this is my fifth year, the fifth year of doing National Train a Teacher Day. As a matter of fact. USCCA is one of the sponsors, so is Saber Red Pepper Spray and Taser, and they've all pledged to give free training supplies to any instructor teaching one of their curriculum during that day. But we've kind of partnered up the last year or two with uh, the Armed Women of America, Formula the Well and Women Shooting League, uh, Girl and the Gun, and DC Project. They're helping me spread the gospel about it to try to get more people to uh, take advantage of the training. But you know, there's all kinds of training available, whether it's defensive training, like I'm going to be doing, like firearms defensive training, or some people are teaching first aid, awareness, you know, just how a gun works. Lots of people are doing like an NRA basic pistol type class, just so those teachers can just learn how a firearm functions. And if if one thing they walk away with, you know, understanding how to safely apply the, the safety rules, but also to know, hey, when that gun's at slide lock, it can't go bang. Yeah. That's time to run, hide, or fight. Absolutely. So well, we try to... That's all awesome, awesome classes, and I look forward to helping you, support you in those ways. That's amazing, but we'll definitely have to get you on, talk a little bit more about that as we get closer. And uh, thanks for joining us, Clint. Um, Veterans Top Shot still has openings for the spring golf tournament, but it's selling out quick. And we do a shooting contest in the fall. All this for great veterans charities. Go to TopShotInvitational.com and sign up today. That's TopShotInvitational.com to sign up. We'll be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. Made in America since 1949. Family owned and operated. Legendary performance. This is Hornady. Federal delivers a knockout punch with the leading defensive ammo on the market. Federal punch hollow points are accurate and reliable in all defensive situations. When you need reliability designed to provide a balanced mix of effective penetration and expansion, you need punch defensive ammunition from Federal, the leader in nickel-plated brass ammo with a sealed primer to deliver reliable feeding and ignition. Get Federal Punch defensive hollow point ammunition here at Cape Gunwork. SnapSafe, featuring a pry-resistant 316-inch solid steel door, 2300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. SnapSafe, a modular safe with welded safe security. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. I'm calling from Maine. 
I heard you talking about the uh, Second Amendment, where it was placed in the Constitution after the first. And when I came from overseas back to, and I was at Bragg, they sent me up to Fort Devens, and uh, I used to visit Lexington and Concord. And uh, there was some uh, interesting scuttlebutt there. Well, thank you for the call, Michelle, and I appreciate your service to our country. Um, thank you for joining us, Rob, and uh, if you guys want to join us uh, for his classes, there's still some room in Thursday and Friday's class. So if you're listening to this on the radio, you're too late. I'm sorry. you got to join us live when we broadcast. But anyway, there you go. Um, and I thanks uh, Clint Macro for joining us as well. It's always good to hear the update on the training tour. Um, so today is the federal, uh, cartridge company's 100th anniversary. I'm wearing my hundredth anniversary hat as a, uh, tribute to them. It is, today is the actual day. Um, so it's a awesome accomplishment and, uh, my hat's off. Here we go. My hat's off to you, federal. There you go. hundred year anniversary. Um, any company that has been in business for a hundred years and is still relevant in the industry that they started out in is a amazing milestone. And they still are the leader, in my opinion, one of the leaders in the industry of good quality ammunition. So, uh, very good on them. Uh, we, uh, we have, um, sorry, I'm being distracted here, but anyway, uh, 508-444-2120 is the live phone number to call in to rapid fire. You can also text your questions 508-444-2120 or leave a message when you're not broadcasting. Please include your first name, location, and your question. And we will try to get to it each and every week. And if we don't get to it, uh, stand by because we might get it next time. So anyway, uh, did you say we have a caller? All right. Go ahead. We got. Yeah, this is uh, Frank calling from Wellesley, and I have two questions. Can I buy nine millimeter, low velocity? Haven't seen it. And my other question is: For a long time, I'm interested in purchasing a centerfile pump Remington 9600 in 243, and I have not been able to find it because Remington had been sold a few times. Is that going to be a problem trying to get a rifle like that? All right, great. Well, thanks for that call, Frank. Um, let me get to the first one. Uh, 9mm low velocity, you're in luck because we have a ton of it in stock. So um, I actually have some of the uh, Spear uh, Lawman in full metal jacket, and that is... 147 grain uh, subsonic is what they call the low velocity rounds. Um, so we have that. We also have some defensive ammo. I know we have the Federal uh, HST. We have the uh, Spear Gold Dot, and we have the Remington Golden Saber. We also have the Winchester Silver Tip in 147 grain, and all of those are subsonic. Uh, low velocity. They're all 147 grain uh, jacketed hollow points. And um, yeah, it'd be a you know good 
we have a good variety. So if you haven't seen it around, Frank, give us a call at the shop or come in. And the Remington 7600, uh, I think you said 9600, but the 7600 is um, a very difficult gun to get right now because, as you mentioned, Remington was sold. Um, I'm not even sure. I think Palmetto State Armory was given the that part of the rifle, uh, the 7600, um, and I don't think anyone's producing it right at the moment. I know Rem Arms, which is the one that is called... Uh, producing the pump shotguns maybe they got the the model 7600 i don't know but even in the ones that were produced the 243 unfortunately was not one of the uh higher uh production guns that they made they made more in 270 30 odd six and 308 243 is a very capable round i'm a big fan of it myself uh, I have seen that model 7600 in 243 Winchester. We actually had someone who wanted to consign one at our store at one point, and it was the really rare stainless version uh, in 243 Winchester. But they wanted like seven, six thousand dollars or whatever because it was so rare. Uh, I might be exaggerating, but because I'm going from memory, but it was uh, a tremendous amount of money that they wanted. But it was. Uh, Anyway, uh, you never you never know. So um, it would probably be um, a tough gun to locate. Now you're definitely going to be spending some uh, um, spending some extra money. But anyway, let's get to some of the chat questions here. Um, uh, a lot of people very thankful uh, for the show, and they're having a good time with it and having fun with it and enjoying it. So I appreciate that. HPS is looking for my. HK hat. He says he's an HK fanboy because he has everything. Uh, but anyway, I told him I'll give it to him if he shows up at the store here. And uh, Ryan, kind of as a follow-up to our discussion with Rob Pincus, said he got a delay on a shotgun at our store. And while that delay was two days in, he bought an M&P 1522. And he got to take it home within a half an hour. But he still had to wait on the shotgun. It was still in lockup. Go figure, right? And uh, what's up, Mac, man? He's saying, uh, what's up, Toby? Hope all is well. And Roy, uh, appreciate your much-needed 2A service. Massachusetts needs you. Well, I think you're, uh, you're, you're, I take that as a compliment. Let's put it that way. Um, but anyway, uh, and uh, so, yeah, very cool. Some people are saying that the uh, studio is authentic looking. I don't need a new studio. I don't know about that. I think it, it's a little amateurish, if you ask me, but Anyway, uh, this Saturday we have, um, oh, and Mitchell, uh, Michael O'Donnell says, AR-15 is the modern musket, and I would agree with that. Um, did you hear about the ATF ruling on the AR-15 being the most common rifle owned by law-abiding citizens, and because they mentioned it in writing, that might be the end of assault weapons ban? Well, it certainly should, because the Heller uh, and McDonald cases, they use language like uh, common and ordinary at the time. So if the gun is common in common use and ordinary, that is the gun that the government can't restrict. So if the AR-15 is the most owned gun, it proves that it's common and ordinary. So the government can't restrict it. You might be onto something there, Michael. Um, that would be a great, um, you know, I, right now we just need the Supreme court to come out with their decision on, um, 
you know, the New York State Pistol and Rifle Club versus Bruin, and that's what we're all standing by to stand by on. I'd love to see them rule, and that could come out pretty soon, hopefully. Uh, it looks like it's next up on their docket. So uh, we, we live in hope. Fingers crossed. We're saying our prayers at night. Um, all right, that's the end of the first segment. Time flies when you're having fun. Thank you for tuning in. And remember, the show ends here, but it goes on for another hour. So you don't want to miss out. Go to capegunworks.com and click on the Rapid Fire icon. And make sure you call or text the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. You can ask questions. You can check out some of our online content. And freedom will always be on the right side of history. I'm Toby Leary. Don't go away. We'll be right back. your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Alexander Hamilton said, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. This is Toby from Cape Gunworks. When our founding fathers drafted the Second Amendment, there was no question of its meaning. Today, if you have questions, come to Cape Gunworks for some advice, training, or to send a few rounds downrange. We have a fully stocked pro shop with a huge selection of guns, crossbows, archery, classes, rentals, a 15-lane range, and a friendly staff. Come on down to Cape Gunworks Airport Road Hyannis or capegunworks.com. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, keyed entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe.
If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. Welcome to Rapid Fire, your 2A talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics. Tune into capegunworks.com and click on Rapid Fire to join the conversation. And now you can text or call the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. When we broadcast live, we can take your call on the air or you can leave a recorded voicemail message to 508-444-2120. Or you can text us at that same number, 508-444-2120. Remember to like us and subscribe and share and comment on all of our social media platforms. Our handle is at Cape Gunworks, and we're on all the usual suspects and including some new ones. Uh, Truth Truth Social is our latest. Uh, So uh, in this hour upcoming, we have um, attorney Keith Langer coming on. And we also have some bonus content after the show, so you want to stick around for that. Um, We have the Toby Takes on the World latest episode, and uh, so we're excited about that. Um, We'll get to your comments and your questions and maybe some of your calls as well. So a couple quick things in the news. Um, We have uh, a question from somebody who uh, moved to Massachusetts from Texas and they have left some guns in Texas, and they've now secured their license here in Massachusetts. And you say FID card in the in the text line here, but I don't know if you're talking about a gun, a, a handgun, or a rifle. So if you've got your FID card, but you have pistols in Texas, you won't be able to bring those back with you yet until you get your license to carry. But if you're just generally referring to the license to carry as your FID card, then you can bring whatever gun you want back. But if it's strictly an FID card, you can bring non-large capacity rifles and shotguns back with you. And you say in the text here that you were going to bring them back. And that's good wording. So if you're bringing them here, there's really nothing you have to do other than bring them here. But if you have them shipped here, or you're having them sent by like, uh, you know, the moving truck or something like that, then you will need to register them when you get here uh, or when they get here, or there'll have to be a transfer done through the uh, FFL that you have them shipped to. But if you're simply bringing them with you as you drive back to the state, since they're already your guns and since you're already a resident of this state and you already possess your proper license, there's nothing further you need to do on that. So... That's one of the advantages of bringing them with you. So um, great question, though, and I know it's clear as mud, and uh, it's oftentimes confusing, and I'm sure it's as confusing for law enforcement that have to uh, enforce these laws, et cetera, et cetera. So um, that's just the world we live in, and we'd love to see the, the laws restored. I mean, the rights restored and some of these laws go away in the future. And one of those laws uh, I was reading... 
um, is in New Hampshire, actually. So they have recently, I say recently, it's been a few years now, but uh, become constitutional carry. And uh, they don't have uh, a law, per se, about how they carry. If they're not a prohibited person, they're allowed to carry a gun. Or if you go there from your state and you are not prohibited in your own state from carrying a gun, then you can carry in their state. It extends along the way. Um, So um, one of the laws that's kind of this weird uh, holdover from when they weren't constitutional carriers, they had a ban on possessing a firearm while driving an off-road vehicle, like an ATV or a snowmobile or something to that effect. So um, now they're like, oh, shoot, what do we do with this weird law on the book? since we got constitutional carry. So it looks like uh, they're going to make right this wrong and they're going to restore the good people in New Hampshire's rights uh, and allow them to carry while they're on their off-road vehicle and snowmobile, et cetera, et cetera. So that's really good um, uh, news for the people in New Hampshire. And hopefully that trend continues and it just continues to spread throughout uh, throughout the country. You know, when they look at it, and like Rob said in the first hour, uh, that when there's not a bloodbath in the streets from uh, enacting constitutional carry, um, now we can take a look at some of these other laws that are pretty ridiculous. So anyway, um, there you have that. Uh, So um, don't forget, we have this line now, uh, 508-444-2120. So call or text the show. And... uh, if you're, uh, ha- we're having a special spring buyers event Saturday and an open house on Saturday, April 30th from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Come to Cape Gunworks and meet vendors. Plus, there'll be a special deal with food and prizes, and it'll be a fun time for the whole family. Saturday, April 30th from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, so if you're on WCRN and you're hearing this, Jump in the car and make the trip down. It'll be worth it. We're going to have some special deals. We got Sig Sauer coming. We got a bunch of other vendors, and it will be worth your while. So you don't want to miss out. Um, it's a great event. We we used to do this as part of our anniversary every year. Um, we would do this big vendor a day vendor day at Cape Gunworks right around our anniversary. Then the last couple of years of COVID, where we were shut down and all that other good stuff. Um, we really didn't have the option of doing it, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, but we are rounding the five-year anniversary. We're past the five-year anniversary in our new location. And come July, it'll be our seven-year anniversary as a store. So uh, we got a long way to go to meet Federal's milestone, but uh, we're only 93 years away. So hopefully we'll get there uh, and get there sooner rather than later. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not rushing time, but... Um, so anyway, that uh, is where this idea came from, and we do it, and we have a great time. It's been met with awesome, uh, you know, response. People have supported it, and the vendors have been excellent, worked hard, et cetera, et cetera. All right, let's get to some of your questions here uh, before the break. Um, let's see. Tom says, is it possible to receive a text alert when you go live? I have to check my email every five minutes. Um, not currently, But what you could do is go to like YouTube um, and you could just set alerts for whenever we go live to be notified whenever we go live. Um, I think you can do that on YouTube and Facebook. So they'll set alerts and 
you know, so just like us and subscribe on YouTube and um, you'll be able to get, get alerted whenever we go live. So, so you don't have to check your email every five minutes, but it's a great question. Maybe someday we'll get to that uh, level of technology. Um, and uh, Nate from Plymouth is wondering what my favorite SHTF scenario gun is. And what that means is the Mierda has hit the ventilator. So uh, we're going to uh, talk about that briefly, but I would say it's the one on the wall behind me that Honey Badger Q and 300 Blackout. That's probably what I'd take if the worst case scenario, the zombie apocalypse were to happen. That's what I'd, I'd want by my side. All right. If you're hearing this and you, you don't have your gun license, we have regularly scheduled LTC classes, including ladies only and couples classes. Sign up at capegunworks.com. We have Keith Langer next, so you don't want to miss out. We'll be right back. If you crave versatility in a tactical reticle, the new ARBDC-3 delivers with a host of features you need to adapt in the field. A 1MOA center dot provides a precise point of aim, while the surrounding 16MOA open circle helps get your eye into the center faster for rapid target acquisition in close quarters. The ARBDC-3 also adapts to a variety of light conditions. The center dot and surrounding open circle illuminate for low-light shooting, and because the reticle is glass-etched, it can also function without any illumination. When you need to go long, the upper ranging feature allows you to range silhouette targets up to 600 yards, while the bullet drop compensator, or BDC, keeps you on target up to 650 yards. Plus, you get wind holds for 5, 10, and 15 mile per hour winds. The ARBDC-3 is specifically tuned to the ballistic performance of most common 5.56 loads out of an AR-15. There are resources in the reticle manual for conversions to 308, and as with any BDC, information gathered from a chronograph and ballistics calculator can adapt these hash marks to any other caliber and its own unique ballistic curve. From point blank to way down range, adapt with the ARBDC-3. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. Don't forget, you can now call in live, 508-444-2120 is the number to call in live or to leave a recorded voicemail message. You can also text 508-444-2120 to leave a message. Once again, that's 508-444-2120. And at this time, I'm glad to have with us a frequent guest of the show, Attorney Keith Langer. How are you today? I'm just fine this afternoon, Toby. How are things down on the sunny Cape? It is a beautiful day, and, uh, you know, things are have slowed down significantly. So if you want to come in and not have 
you know, shoulder to shoulder at the gun counter, it's a good time to come down. Everyone's probably putting their boats in the water and as temperature warms up. So uh, it's a good time to come and buy. But um, one thing, one of the questions we get on this show all the time, and we sometimes seem to have to answer it uh, many times, but I figured we'd get the authority on the subject in and and put it to bed once and for all. I'm sure we'll have to talk about it again, but it's it's just you know one of those things that Massachusetts law is so fuzzy and muddy, and it's obviously that way on purpose. But um, one of the questions we get is, hey, you know, if I'm driving with my uh, gun to the gun range, do I have to have it in a case locked, and does it have to be a hard case, and does it have to be uh, you know, locked up, or if it's just a bolt-action shotgun or bolt-action rifle, can it be unloaded but uncased and unlocked? So I figure, why don't we get Keith on here and talk about that? So what do you, what do you say, Keith? Well, the first thing we need to do is distinguish storage from transportation. Because if you park your car on the way to the range when you get your coffee, theoretically it can be deemed storage mm-hmm. if they want to play those games. And any gun, if it's stored, has to be in a locked container or have an approved trigger lock on it. There's no real definition for a locked container. If you have a luggage bag with a luggage lock on it and your pistol in it, that meets the language of the statute, which is 131M. Uh, 131L, excuse me. Storage is 131L. Okay. Now, the more important question for this afternoon is, are firearms in a vehicle, which is 131C? And that's very different. Okay. If it is a handgun, it has to be locked in a case, locked in the trunk of a car, or under your direct control. Hmm. And that's where it gets fuzzy. What is direct control? Glove box? Not really. Console, possibly on your person in a holster, yes, the way to go. Mm-hmm. So any any handgun and any quote-unquote large capacity rifle or shotgun, again, unloaded and locked in the trunk or locked case or the proverbial other secure container. Mm-hmm. Now, what you're talking about which is non-large capacity rifles or shotguns, your M1 Garand, your Remington 700, your Remington 870, no such requirements. None at all. Now, we can, de- we can debate whether it's prudent to be trolling around with one in a rifle rack in the back of your pickup or laying on the back seat. But I've gone to the range numerous times. We've had the best all-around shooter competition. I need like seven guns. And I've had the O3 and the Garand and the shotgun on the footwells and in the back seat of the vehicle for my crosstown trek. And it's perfectly legal. Mm. But then again, I was going from the house to the range. I wasn't going to Dunkin' Donuts with three guns laying on the back seat. Right. And if you did stop at Dunkin' Donuts, would the storage law apply at that point, or would it be still you're transporting, you're just making a pit stop? Well, if somebody sees it and the cops come, 
you're going to have to address that issue. Mm-hmm. They can easily claim that if you're parked, you're not in motion. If you're not in motion, you're not transporting. You weren't going directly because you stopped at Dunkin' Donuts or wherever. And therefore, it was storage and not transport. Now, you can put your approved trigger locks on them, which are great for storage. They don't apply to transport, but we don't care about transport because the guns don't fall under 131C. But this is Massachusetts. And you know as well as I do, if you've got the LTC, it exists at the whim of the chief. Right. And somebody says, there's a guy with guns at Dunkin' Donuts, and it can evaporate. <laughs> and even if you've got just a mere FID card, because all you have is a bolt-action rifle and a shotgun, the chief can trot off to court and ask the court to suspend or revoke your FID card. Mm. So if you're going to put your 870 or your Winchester 94 or your Ruger 1022 on the back seat and drive to the range, that's perfectly legal. Just understand you don't want to make stops with the guns unsecured. And unsecured means locked case or a trunk. Right. And you're saying under the other uh, provision, if it was a handgun, uh, you would, and you were in a car with a trunk, it would have had to have been locked in the trunk. Like just a hard case with a lock on it in the back seat isn't adequate. A locked case in the back seat is adequate. Okay. It is a locked container. It says a, a locked trunk, and it says trunk hmm. of such vehicle, or in a locked case or other secure container. So that's fine. If you want to put a luggage lock on your zippered rifle case, that's fine. That's locked. Interesting. And the trunk works. But SUVs don't have trunks, so you need a locked case. Uh, What you might be able to do with vehicles like that is they often have a locking secured container hidden in the frame or under a seat. That would likely work for a handgun. Mm -hmm. But you can't just toss the gun in a case in the back of your SUV and say, well, it's, it's, it's like a trunk. No, it's not. Right. It's not a trunk. It's not like a trunk. And if you're going to put it in your back storage area, make sure the case is locked. And there's no requirement for that to be like a hard or secure, like a, like a Pelican case or whatever. You could just have a regular. Quote unquote, in a locked case or other secure container. Okay. That's not to say that the ADA and or the court won't apply the fabricated standard that the SJC created out of whole cloth, which is designed to deter all but the most intent efforts. Mm. But you will have met the language of the statute. And if you do have an SUV, uh, those horizontal blinds that uh, unroll over the cargo area are great. Yeah. If they can't see it, they can't complain about it. Out of sight, out of mind is what one of my old buddies used to say. (laughs) You know, guns should be out of sight, out of mind. But, I mean, I would say they should be out of sight, but very much in mind. Uh, You know, you should definitely uh, be thinking about how you're storing them. You need to learn how to disappear in a crowd of one. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Good, Good point there. Um, Well, that's great. Um, That finally puts that to rest for us. I knew 
it was uh, one of those nuanced conversations. But you know, you you see people leaving the gun store sometimes, and and they're nervous as a long tail cat in a rocking chair factory about how they get the gun home. And I, I've even had customers who are moving to Florida who want to sell their guns before they drive to Florida. I'm like, look, it's perfectly legal. Nope, don't even want to risk it. I'm driving down there, and I'm just going to buy new guns when I get there. I'm like, oh, my gosh. That's quite the extreme uh, take on it. But um, Well, they've got pre-banned ARs or Glocks. They should sell them here. We need yes. them here. They'll sell them for twice what they're worth, and they buy three of them in Florida. That's true. That's a very good point. <laughs> yeah. No doubt about it. And uh, anything pre-banned, please stay here. Yes, <laughs> we don't Absolutely. need the, we don't need the supply to diminish any more than it already is. Um, but, and if for whatever benighted reason you're moving to Massachusetts, buy some good stuff and bring it with you. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. Uh, definitely. And remember, if you bring it with you when you move, you do not have to register it. Right. Exactly. So that would be a good uh, good way to go for sure. So. Um, uh, as far as safe transportation, as it res- you know relates to national law, like you're allowed safe passage through any state in the union. Um, well, nominally, yes, the statute was designed to provide that, but states like New York and New Jersey ignore the intent and claim it is an affirmative defense. So, if they stop you and search the car and find guns which is why you don't want to be going through New York and New Jersey with your NRA or from my cold dead hands bumper <laughs> stickers. Right. And I'm not kidding. Uh, then what they will do is they will seize the guns and charge you with illegal possession because you're not licensed in New York and New Jersey. And it will be up to you to use FOPA, the Firearms Owners Protection Act, the so-called federal law that protects you, as an affirmative defense to prove that you were, in fact, lawfully transiting between a place where you could legally own the guns and another place you could legally own the guns that were merely passing through the benighted cesspools of New York and New Jersey. Mm. And Massachusetts is a, is a close third <laughs> to those two. So people who drive through take take some extra fuel and... uh Fuel up before you hit those states and run the gauntlet. That's my advice. Well, the most outrageous example in Massachusetts, I can recall, and you may remember this also about four or five years ago, some guy had a belt made of deactivated cartridges, oh. you know, the strip of machine gun belt. And he was wearing it as a belt, and it was clearly deactivated. But they charged him with unlawful possession of ammunition. Oh, that's unbelievable. I got a buddy, and I know we got to go. We're up against the break. But I got a buddy who um, has a, you know, the shell driveways, like the seashell driveways. Well, yeah. he, he has an actual shell driveway, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and I said, geez, you, you know, someone walking by picking up a piece of brass might be in violation of the law just by uh, having that brass driveway. But I Given did. the scrap value of brass these days, that's a hell of an investment. I know. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thanks so much, Keith. And uh, we'll have you on again, of course. I appreciate all your insight. And uh, if you – how do we get a hold of you, Keith? What, what what do people do to get a hold of you? Well, they can go to my website, which is kglangerlaw.com, 
or they can email me, Keith at KGLangerLaw.com, or just call me at 384-8692, and that's a 508 area code. Awesome. And we'll drop that into the chat. So thanks so much, Keith. And don't forget, we have a special treat for the women listening. Ladies Month is the month of May here at Cape Gunworks. And we have a special first shots course for ladies only. If you've been thinking about getting your gun license and you want to try a gun out for the first time, go to capegunworks.com and click on the class calendar to sign up for our ladies only first shots May 7th. More after this, we will be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, key entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. And welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show about all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. I want to thank Attorney Langer for joining it, joining us. We always value his opinions. And if you need his services, make sure you look him up. He does a lot of good work in this state. And uh, we will drop his contact information into the chat box here. And speaking of chat box, don't forget you can call or text the show at 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. And we will be getting to your questions here in a minute. Uh, but before we get to that, I wanted to talk a couple more newsy things. Uh, for those of you who ha- don't know what micro-stamping is, it's back. Uh, and for those of you who do know and realize that it was never here because the technology really doesn't exist or work, but... We have three 
New York officials that are pushing for micro stamping in the state of New York City or the state of New York again. And uh, this time it's to combat crime. And uh, it's an amazing thing that something that doesn't exist can be pushed as an intelligent solution to combat crime and deter future crime. Uh, to solve crime, et cetera, et cetera. So what they're talking about, and by the way, this is a state senator, an assemblywoman, and a Manhattan DA have all uh, combined forces to ask the legislature to pass a micro-stamping law that would prohibit the sale of any new manufactured guns in the state of New York without the micro-stamping technology, which doesn't exist. But let's just say it does for a minute. Um, that would drastically reduce all of the guns that are possibly possible to be sold in the state to zero. So uh, you could effectively accomplish gun control with the passage of this new micro stamping law. And the funny thing is uh, the argument for it is that there's a lot of gun crime on the streets or crime with a gun on the streets. So we need to be able to, combat future crime by putting this micro stamping technology and let's call this what it really is it is a backdoor gun ban there is no other way around it the technology doesn't exist even if it did um, it would ban guns from being able to be sold to the people who buy them at gun stores who aren't the problem in the first place and the ones you need to be worried about it's the uh criminals who are continually let out of jail for their violent, heinous, violent, heinous crime uh, back out on the streets to recommit. And the bottom line is you just, you know, want to perpetuate the problem so that you have talking points and more laws to pass with never, ever solving the actual problem of violent criminals walking around on our streets even though they could have been sentenced to long terms and been put away for a long period of time. But anyway, you dirty varmint. that is too much to ask the people of New York. They want to combat crime by making technology that doesn't exist, the law of the land for you, the resident of New, uh, New York. So that doesn't surprise me um, as most of the country is running from gun control and embracing uh, freedom again and things like constitutional carry, a state that is highly gun controlled and has a case before the New York, I mean, excuse me, the U.S. Supreme Court, and it's probably about to get its, you know what, handed to them. Uh, nice. By a supreme court decision which we expect to be a landmark case coming out of the uh supreme court and you know referencing back to the first hour of the show when rob and i were talking about um the constitutional carry and etc he referenced the states that still have may issue um and i believe it's seven or eight states and I remember, like, to that period he was talking about when there was 13 or 14 states where you couldn't get any permit, those have become may-issue states. And here we are, like, looking at them like they're living in the Stone Age and saying, you know, oh, my gosh, they're so restrictive. And I live in one of them, by the way. Uh, but it would be great to see a positive outcome in that uh, New, New York State pistol and rifle case versus Bruin 
and uh, people's rights restored. That would be amazing. So keep on the lookout for that, and uh, that would be great. So getting back to your questions here, um, I have a question from uh, one of our listeners in Arizona, and he says he really enjoyed our interview, my interview with Riding Shotgun with Charlie, which, by the way, if you haven't heard that interview, you got to go find it and listen to it. Uh, but Riding Shotgun with Charlie does some awesome industry interviews in a very creative and fun way. And uh, he enjoyed the story of the shop, my lifetime interest in guns, the community. My question is, what is your outlook for the future of 2A community? Um, that's a great question. And um, I really am optimistic. Why am I optimistic, you say? Because I think we have a unique opportunity. And I have oftentimes called the Second Amendment a Trojan horse. And I don't necessarily mean it's a Trojan horse that one day uh, people who jump on the Second Amendment bandwagon are going to wake up and everybody's going to think the same. I do mean that it will create people to think critically. When they've taken uh, gun control as something that sounds good because they've had politicians and media outlets pounding into their head for decades. We need to pass common sense gun regulations. We need to pass common sense gun laws. And 80% of all gun owners want universal background checks and all this nonsense that gets just, you know, dumped on us day after day after day. And the drip is continual. Well, what was the big narrative shift? The big narrative shift was when they got their way with defund the police, when they got their way with letting violent felons out of jail because of COVID, when they got their way of no bail and uh, low bail um, cities and their revolving door um, policy for violent criminals to basically appear and go, appear and go, appear and go, go on and sin no more. And yet they're right back out on the street committing violent acts. And the good people starting to see their cities burn, their, you know, businesses burn in their communities and say, holy smokes, this isn't what I signed on for. And I've never really been a gun guy, but how do I get a gun? <laughs> and for the last two years, we've had a steady stream of people filling our classes saying, hey, uh, yeah, I never even thought about owning a gun and didn't really think it was practical, but now I want to own a gun. So we have this unique opportunity where the gun-owning citizenry has been expanded. The tent stakes have been widened. Uh, there's more people under the tent. This is the Trojan heart horse moment. Get more people involved in uh, guns, and they realize, hey, wait a minute, I own a gun, and nobody in my family has died. Nobody in my neighborhood has died. And, you know, this is good. Let's take some classes. Now they're starting to think critically. And what else have I been wrong about that the news media has beat me over the head continually for 20 years straight over? And it might make them wake up to some of the, you know, they might not all be uh, AR-15 loving, uh, you know, uh, gun owners, but it's a start. And it's a start in the right direction. The future, I believe, holds these people who now see clearly. They've been told by for years by us, quote-unquote, gun nuts, that, you know, 
gun communities are safer than non-gun owning communities. And they think it's, oh yeah, you're just crazy. But now that they see it and they can see the outcome and the effect of highly gun controlled areas with soft on crime and defunding the police moments and movements, they understand now and even take Ukraine in Russia, like Ukraine had a gun ban, like you couldn't own guns in Ukraine. And all of a sudden they get invaded by Russia. Well, what do they do? You go down to the local PD and you get issued your fully automatic AK-47 and they're begging you to go fight the Russians. So now all of a sudden, even the politicians in this country that have been historically against private gun ownership are now saying, hey, it's a good thing. Let's send arms. Let's send money. Let's send support to Ukraine. And they don't even realize the hypocrisy of what they're saying. It's like, yeah, that that thing that we have here in this country called the Second Amendment, you now want to extend overseas and you're perfectly fine with Joe Citizen going down to the local PD to pick up his machine gun. But yet you're not perfectly okay with that law-abiding or responsible gun owner that has been uh, owned guns his whole life, that is very responsible with them, has never you know, committed a crime or, or broken the law or assaulted people with his duly owned guns. You don't want him to be able to own an AR-15 or a high-capacity magazine. That doesn't, it doesn't make sense. But you're okay with untrained Ukraine guy going down to the local PD and picking up his machine gun to go fight the Russians. Well, for the same reason that we want the Ukrainians to be armed is the same reason why we want Americans to be armed because it makes us safer. And I've said it many times on this show, but, you know, if the mere presence of guns uh, translated into violent crime... Plano, Texas would be a hellhole. It would be the worst place on earth because every man, woman, and child uh, has, there's enough guns in Plano. It's the per capita gun capital of the country by county. So Plano, Texas is the gun capital of the country. And it has one of the lowest violent crime rates in the country. Why is that? Because more guns, less crime. It's a pretty, pretty, uh, easy stat to wrap your head around it if you'll be intellectually honest if you travel or you want to get a license to carry in multiple states check out our utah 36 state concealed carry class you get everything you need to apply for the utah license at the end of the class you go to capegunworks.com click on the class link to book the class today we will be right back you're listening to rapid fire i'm toby leary Since 1949, family-owned and operated, legendary performance, this is Hornady. Federal delivers a knockout punch with the leading defensive ammo on the market. Federal punch hollow points are accurate and reliable in all defensive situations. When you need reliability designed to provide a balanced mix of 
effective penetration and expansion, you need punch defensive ammunition from Federal, the leader in nickel-plated brass ammo with a sealed primer to deliver reliable feeding and ignition. Get Federal Punch defensive hollow point ammunition here at Cape Gunworks. Snap safe. Featuring a pry-resistant 316-inch solid steel door, 2300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. SnapSafe, a modular safe with welded safe security. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And in this case, Brenna Leary, who joins us in the studio. How are you? Doing well, how are you? Great. And thanks for uh, jumping in on the show. She's come in. She is one of our female instructors here at Cape Gunworks. No relation, by the way, as I'm sure you get that question often, as do I. Oh, you, Toby's wife, or daughter i got daughter daughter one time i almost died (laughs) laughing i was like yeah he had me when he was 10 (laughs) yeah there you go daughter is uh oh hey that's that's that speaks volumes for you it doesn't bode weight well for me so uh anyway um yeah so bren is one of our you know senior instructors at this point in the shop and uh she's here to talk a little bit about ladies month so uh, we have May is Ladies Month, and what are some of the stuff we're doing here in, uh, at Cape Gunworks for the month of May. So why don't you tell us a little bit what we can expect? Sure. What um, the ladies can expect. May 4th, we're doing a ladies-only LTC, um, and May 7th is really the the event that I'm excited for. It's First Shots, which is a program um, that the National Shooting Sports Foundation puts on. Um, the first f- first shots that I did here um, sold out, and it was just amazing for to watch people shoot for the very first time and 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 experience it and like you know just absolutely light up. It's mm-hmm. awesome. I love watching people shoot for the first time. <laughs> Arlo, come here. Arlo, He's sorry. all right. Arlo. No, it's all right. I'll just hug him. Um, so we have uh, two classes on Saturday, May 7th for first shots. Uh, one's at 11 a.m., one's at 2 p.m. There are 14 slots per class, which, like I said before, they sell out. So um, if you're interested, um, first shots is a great way to experience shooting for the first time because it's 22. Um, you get a nice, uh, long safety brief, and you learn a little bit about uh, firearms before you head out to the range. You get to go out. You shoot, you get a sweet swag bag um, from the NSSF, which includes a $25 coupon for Cape Gunworks. Nice. So if someone wants to come back, take a class, or do ladies' night, they can use that coupon toward that. So um, it's just an excellent program across the country. It's been very successful uh, countrywide and as well as in our shop. And you're one of the instructors that will be putting that on. 
And uh, you've done it, what, two other times with us? I think I've only done it one other time. time. Yeah, the first time. I think the second time I was away that weekend for some reason. Um, It's a great opportunity to get uh, ladies interested in shooting. And, you know, let's face it, women like to do things in groups, right? Yeah, Yeah, we uh, do. uh, Whenever I'm out at the restaurant and they all gaggle up and go to the bathroom together and say, okay, there's something to that. So you're social creatures (laughs) and I love it. And I think it's awesome to watch women come into the shop uh, with their, uh, I call them the roving bands of women. And they come in with their gun bags and their, you know, swag and all this stuff. And they come out and have a great social event. It's fun. It's exciting. It's a, it's a uh, social thing you can do with friends. But most importantly, it's a skill that you can learn that um, could ultimately save your life someday. And, you know, that, that to me is the biggest benefit to being a woman who's well-armed and knows how to use it. Yeah, that's exactly why I teach. Yeah. And so you, what classes have you been teaching for Cape Gunworks recently? So um, introduction to pistol handling. It's one of our most, most popular classes. Um, very um, basic. How to run the gun, how to shoot how to grip properly, how your breathing should be. Um, PH2, which is pistol accuracy, that's to improve your shot, and holster hour, um, which is if you've taken DSF-1, you can take holster hour and practice. Um, And it's been awesome. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us, Brenna, and I'm sure everyone's looking forward to the month of May, as I am. And if you travel or you want to get a license to carry in multiple states, check out our Utah 36 state concealed carry class. You get everything you need to apply for the Utah license at the end of the class. Go to capegunworks.com and click on the class link. Or if you're a woman and you want to sign up for first shots, go to capegunworks.com and we will see you there. We'll be right back. This is Rapid Fire. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And we want to thank Brenna for joining us and talking about Ladies' Month at Cape Gunworks. Um, But we also want to uh, talk to you guys about and get to your questions here on the chat. Uh, Remember, you can always call the show, 508-444-2120. You can text your question in as well, and we will get to it 
if we can. If we can't, we'll get to it next week. So you got to listen every week because you never know what's going to come up. So anyway, uh, Aaron is saying he can't wait for Friday night and Saturday events this week. I'm honored that you're going to come and be with us, Aaron. I don't take that for granted. And I think it, you're going to have a wonderful time. And Matt's saying I should uh, tease out some of the stuff going on Friday night and Saturday. And what I will say is the cat has been let out of the bag about our rollback of 9mm prices for members on Friday night. Uh, so for every member will be able to buy 10 boxes of 9mm for $13.99 a piece until supplies run out. Um, I do have a pretty good amount, but it's definitely limited, and it's not inexhaustible because it's right below our dealer cost. So it's you know it's going to cost me some money on that one. I had to convince the uh, the bean counters in the other room that it was a good idea, but uh, I said let's let's roll back some prices and so some pre-COVID prices. But anyway, it's not quite like the good old days prices, but it's still way better than it's been. And um, so we got that out of the bag. And then on Saturday, there's other stuff happening Friday night as well for members. And if you're a prospective member, if you're not a member, but you're like, I want to join and I really want to see what this place is all about, come on down. We're not going to turn you away at the door. But uh, Saturday is really for everybody. And um, we'll have some great deals from SIG, from IWI, from Holosun, from uh, Steve, from Ear Safety Systems will be here. Uh, Raven crossbows. We're going to have a special deal on that. Um, we're going to have, uh, let's see what else, uh, who else is coming? CZ. Yep. Yep. That's a good USCCA will be here. They're a big sponsor. So lots of vendors. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have a great time. There'll be some food. There'll be some refreshments and, uh, lots of prizes, giveaways and good deals. So you don't want to miss out that on that. But, uh, uh, so anyway, let's uh, get back to your questions. And uh listener from Arizona says, for what it's worth, May issue states are six states. Uh, California, as of 2022, California, Delaware, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, and New York. And that sounds about right to me. Although I thought, I thought there was one more, but maybe not. Um, I think Washington State, Oh, they just banned magazines. I don't think they banned, uh, they, I don't think they're a May issue state, but anyway, uh, six, six, six too many, right? Um, would love to see zero May issue states. And that's hopefully what the Supreme court's about to do. Uh, and Mike is saying, uh, that FPC or firearms policy coalition sent an email regarding H4038, which is a bill in the legislature. Have I heard of it? I don't know. Oh yeah. Hawaii. There you go. I knew there was another one. Um, I do not know what 4038 is, but let's, uh, see if I can figure it out. Um, you never know because, uh, 4038, let me, let me see. I don't know. I'm not going to be able to find it while I'm on the air, unless maybe Professor Claw can do a little research on that. Um, I unfortunately am not very well versed at uh, figuring out, you know, tracking bills by what their names are. But, um, you know, if it's, if you tell me like, oh, it's the, you know, micro stamping bill or something, I'd be able to 
Um, but I would definitely perk up a little if FPC sent you something because they don't necessarily uh, send out stuff that isn't pending or whatever. So if you don't support Firearms Pol- Policy Coalition, I suggest you do. So that would be good. Um, they're awesome. They actually have filed a lawsuit here in the state of Massachusetts uh, challenging the attorney general's regulations and the, um, uh, what do you call it, the approved weapons roster, which I, I think is wonderful because that that is absolutely an infringement upon your Second Amendment rights. If you think about it, uh, nothing um, nothing could be... Um, no, I don't... It's not... I don't think it's a mass bill. I think it's the federal bill. But anyway, um, well, maybe it is mass. It might be Massachusetts. Uh, HR 4038 Intelligence. Yeah, it doesn't look like that's a... Uh, go back to what you were just at. Was that old or was that current? That's current. Yeah, Massachusetts legislature. Go ahead and open that up for me. And it's the usual suspects. Paul Linsky. Um Michelle Dubois, Carmine Gentile, and Tommy Vitolo, which, what is the, it is basically relative, go back to that other summary, is a bill relative to banning semi-automatic firearms for public safety and homeland security. Okay, well, I don't think that one's going to get very far, and there is five companion bills to this. Um, It's in committee, uh, and we'll see what happens but it, I just can't imagine that would ever pass, even in our state. Um, and that's something that we don't talk about enough. Even and, and I started to go down this road about the Trojan horse. If you look at Massachusetts as blue of a state as it is, and it is not known for a bastion of conservatism, it is a very blue state. The last person to run for governor on a platform of banning guns was Luther Scott Harshbarger, and he was soundly defeated. So even in really blue or maybe even purple uh, counties and in, in states like Massachusetts, um, the people don't want to hear you're coming for their guns. There's a lot of people who believe in the Second Amendment and the right to keep and bear arms, whether they have a gun or not, and they believe in it as a, you know, enumerated right as a citizen of America. And whenever you infringe upon those rights, I would say it's a very small minority, you know, probably less than 10% of Americans that want to ban all guns and from private ownership. Then I would say it's about a third of the country that believes in some form of gun control, you know, whether it be banning semi-automatics or banning assault weapons or banning, you know, whatever. But at the at the core, they might want to ban those, but they still believe in, you know, like, uh, you know, people's right to keep and bear arms and have them in the home for personal protection or for hunting or for uh, sporting purposes. So they might have more of a European type of, uh, you know, belief system or paradigm. But they're not for outright banning them. Then there's probably another third of the country that full-on owns guns. Like, they are gun-owning. It's more than 100 million gun owners at this point in this country. 
that own firearms. And then I would say the, the last third of the country is somewhere on the middle or on the fence. Some believe that, you know, you should or shouldn't have a gun. Some believe you should, but don't. Or maybe they're a prohibited person and can't own guns, but they still believe in the sentiment of being able to own a gun. So the battleground, in my opinion, is in A, converting and educating the, the first third that kind of is against gun ownership, and that second third of people that haven't necessarily made their decision to go out and buy a gun. But, uh, you know, people who run on platform of banning guns generally lose elections, no matter where they are, even in our great state of Massachusetts. End of show. All right. I'm supposed to say that. That's what they tell me. My handlers tell me that. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you for tuning in. And remember, this show is ending here, but it goes on at capegunworks.com forward slash rapid fire. Call or text the rapid fire line at 508-444-2120 any time of the day or night, any day of the week. And keep up the good fight. Support your local community. Be a responsible face of gun ownership and lead others to the good fight. Together as Americans, we can overcome anything. I'm Toby Leary. May God bless you, and we'll see you next time. another episode of Toby Takes on the World, part two. And this is Joe the Gunsmith has challenged me to a